0: Our team of trained specialists are available with 24 7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show.
2: Welcome, welcome to the program. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. Welcome to the Freedom Hut, 888-900-3393. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Remember, you can always catch my show uh, Saturday at the same time, 11 uh, a.m. Central to 2 p.m. Central Time. Buck's old so, uh, slot, um, we got a lot to discuss today, a lot of craziness happening, it's so good to be back with you guys, um, but first before I get into the daily political circle, we got to have some honesty, I was on Facebook yesterday and I I was, you know, reading some, uh, I have a mixture of friends. So I was reading some of my liberal friends' comments, my conservative friends, and I I just wanted to get an understanding of the thinking, the mind. Why do people think the way they think? And this old guy that I went to college with tweeted something, uh, posted something on Facebook that really kind of disturbed me. I want to read it to you. Uh, He's a law student. He's a law student. And he posted this. No human being is illegal. And he was referring to the deportations that are happening across the country, which, which is a big issue. You know? And I have to take a pause because He's a law student, so you would think he would, you know, bring something to the table that's actually, like, factual, you know, that's, that's how you prove your case, you know, it's not so much of the emotional argument, like, you just can't say people aren't illegal when they're, like, really illegal. And then I click the comments section to read all these other fellow law students, and, you know, other liberals comment on it and they were just agreeing yeah man tell it like it is you know nobody is illegal and it dawned on me that these people live in like this other universe that everything is emotional it has nothing to do with facts just long as it sounds good then it's okay because surely people couldn't believe that people that come across the border illegally, you know, couldn't be illegals. And it's like, you know, Lawrence, I'm sure some of you are saying, you know, you should know this by now, that everything with them is emotional. But I did, I but I didn't know that it's this bad. Like, We are dealing with people that believe that because they make emotional arguments that it's always going to work. And you would think after the defeat this year that they would wake up, that they would say, hey, you know, what we're doing right now isn't working. Everything isn't about emotion. Some things are just factual. There are people that went through the process, did it the right way, and they're going to jail. They're being, every single day. And then you have these people who didn't do it the right way, came across the border, and now they want you to excuse them breaking the law initially to get here and then committed felonies and then we deport them and apparently it's a crime. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all the stories on CNN and other sources displaying this, that Trump is breaking up families when in fact they're breaking up their own families. Yes, I have compassion. But this this emotional argument that the people that broke the law come in here initially, and now that Trump wants to deport felons, that somehow that's a crime, is beyond me. Let's take one of the people that is being displayed on all the media sources right now, who committed a felony by Drinking and driving after being here illegally. Now, you would think if, if you're already here illegally that you would, you know, keep your record clean. Like, lay low. Don't get in any crime. Do as you're told. Just lay low. No. There's many cases. I have a friend of mine that dad was killed by a drunk driver who was actually illegal. Now, this guy committed this crime, but people are displaying all on social media. Trump is breaking up families. And and you're talking to somebody that did not support Trump. That I just, I was like, I had enough of politics. I'm done. But they live in this delusional place that somehow it's supposed to pull at our heartstrings. That no, that can't be illegal. There is nobody that's illegal. That's just not true. And you would think these law students would jump in and say, hey, there's actually laws about this. But this is nothing new. Health care. It was an emotional argument. People are dying every single day because they don't have health care. And it should be a constitutional right that you have health care. And that we're gonna—if you like your doctor, you're gonna keep it—and all this emotion that we're gonna save the day until people started to be dropped off the health care insurance. You know, people like me, health care went up by three hundred dollars. You know, people like me that had parents with pre-existing conditions. My mom has lupus. The medicine that she needed went up. And it's like, oh, forget that. Stick with our emotional arguments. Isn't it amazing that many of the same states where people were hurt by the Affordable Care Act, unaffordable care act, that they also voted for Trump? Isn't that amazing? And you would think that these people, these Delusional people would wake up and say, you know, this whole emotional thing isn't connecting because the reality of it is people are hurting. You would think that, you know, they will wake up and like talk with people and and realize that, hey, our, our, our messaging system isn't working. That whole emotional thing isn't cutting the, the mustard. But no, they continued this verbiage. I was watching the debate with Bernie Sanders and I talked about it on my program this week. I was watching a debate with Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz and they were arguing, uh, debating back and forth the arguments of Obamacare. And there's this lady that, you know, from Texas, says, hey, you know, I own about three to four facilities, beauty salons, and you know, I have about 49 employees, and I have to pay for healthcare for them. But the ratio of, you know, people, what they make compared to what the the customer paid them, there's really no money. Like I would rather give my employees more money than having to pay for the insurance. It's just I can't afford it. So, you would think there would be like a logical answer, you know, response to that. Like, hey, even if I don't even agree with the answer, you would think that he would, Bernie would have some type of policy solution to this. Like, you know, give me some substance. You know what he responds and says? Well, I don't know. Why don't you ask a business, uh, another salon that has more employees? You're not even gonna try to answer my question. You're not gonna at least try to give me some facts on how I can like survive. Give me something. No, 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 no. If you have a business, you should be able to afford it. No. That's not how it works. Do you realize that a lot, of, the majority of businesses that are going, Bankrupt today is because they can't afford health care. How does that help the people working for them? So now they don't have health care and now they don't have a job. How does that work? Like, what, where is the logic behind that? And what, and you know what's amazing to me? What's amazing to me is the weak people on our side that allow these arguments to just slide I mean just allow it to slide that if you get rid of Obamacare you gotta have a replacement no you don't no you don't no you don't can we stop the bleeding first before we start putting ointment on there well you gotta have an ointment Yeah, maybe we do need an ointment, but can we stop the bleeding first? Or or should we just allow everybody to bleed out while we're trying to find the ointment? How does that sound? And because some of the people on our side are so weak, they're like, no, we gotta have the ointment before we stop the bleeding. No, get rid of it. It is hurting people. You know the number th- that always just really tickles me? This amount of more people, the amount of people, this amount of people now have health insurance. But they totally, they totally cross out the people that left, that had health care before that don't have it anymore. They leave that out. They totally leave leave out the people that now have to pay more in health care insurance. And, and 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 they use th- this is their favorite line. Oh, but it was already going up. Fair, but was it going up by three hundred dollars? Are you kidding me? A month? You're kidding, right? where I paid $25 for my prescription. Now I got to pay $95 for it. But this is the emotional arguments. And it's from immigration to health care. Sometimes I just want to shake him and say, damn it. Do you love killing us? Like, do you love what you do? Like, are you tired of not seeing results or are you tired of losing? No we'll we'll keep the emotional argument that it works for us. I'm all about compassion. I'm all about showing people love. but let but let me be the person. I was having this debate with one of my friends over dinner. And he said, Lawrence, it is the government's obligation to save people. It is your duty in a civilized society. I said, hey, dude, I agree with you. Hey, just take your money and give it to them, then. Since you're so damn giving, don't use the government, then. You give them your paycheck, okay? Okay. I'll keep freely giving mine. Give your money to the government. Allow them to give it to somebody. It's this entitlement philosophy. And it's such an emotional argument. You should have to pay more. You should. Of course, people are going to pay more, but it should be the same percentage. I shouldn't be punished because I make more. 10% 10% of 1000 and 10% of 100 of course the person that makes 1000 is going to make pay more in taxes but they use all these emotional emotional arguments no logic in it no substance and i love these people some of these people to death they're only being taught saying what they've been taught but it is not the reality And we got to start making people face reality. As much as Donald Trump annoys me, you have to admit that they pushed people in a corner where they needed somebody to just blow it up. Because these people were so dumb. People were like, okay, all right, we're going to get the craziest person out there to fix this stuff. 888-900-3393. More on the Buck Sexton Show. Keep it here.
1: Uh, Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to the program, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. I want to get to your calls today. Um, Where was the media when President Barack Obama were deporting all the legals? Where were the protests? Where were all of that type of stuff? That's how you know it's all emotional. Why weren't y'all protesting then? Where was the media coverage? He has deported more people than anybody. So is it really emotional or is it just political? I I, I, I tell you, Sally Cones. I was reading her Instagram and she posted something that was quite interesting to me. And Michael Moore kind of piggybacked off what she said. I want y'all to hear this. listen to me when I, I, this is a legit tweet. She said it's straightforward from here. one impeach Trump and Pence, two, constitutional crisis. three, Call special election for Ryan versus Clinton. Five, President Clinton. Yeah, that's not how this works. But it's emotional. It got people. Oh, by the way, it was retweeted. 800 and some times it was liked by over 2,000 people. That's just when I screenshot it. Like, you can't make this stuff up. And then, and then, she stood by it. She meant it. Like, that's not how it even works. Let's just say they did, did impeach him. That's not how it works. But who cares? It's emotional, Got people all rallied up, worked up. Everybody's excited. Everybody is cool, emotional. Just like Nancy Pelosi got up yesterday in front of all the national news stations and said, yeah, a tweet from Michael Flynn said that he was the sacrificial lamb when it was a fake account and never apologized for it. And the media said nothing. They didn't say a word. And you wonder why nobody takes them seriously. When there's actual stuff to criticize Trump on, nobody will listen to them. Because it's just like the boy who cried wolf. They can't be trusted, and it's all emotional.
0: The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: The Buck Sexton Show.
2: Welcome back to the program. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. I'm in the Freedom Hut. 888-900-3393. There is a a quote from one of my favorite movies. It's called Law Law Abiding Citizen. And Jamie Foxx is in the movie, and and he says this quote. "Is not what you know. He's telling this to this grieving father who knows that something took place. A murder took place. He, He knows it. And he says, it's not what you know, it's what you can prove in court. And if the movies can get this right, you would think the American political system would understand this. I want you to hear an exchange between Shepard Smith and Senator Mark Warner, a top Democrat on the Intelligence Committee, play that clip.
1: Does the intel community have any hard proof that the Trump campaign members or Mike Flynn had any improper or illegal contacts with the Russian government?
3: What we have are the press reports. But do you have any any
1: hard evidence?
3: No. Let's put it like this. We believe that we need to see the transcript of the conversation uh, before we reach any final conclusion. But what we do have is is the facts and the actions of General Flynn.
2: Did y'all hear the... So that the answer to the question is no. Now, I've been critical. I've said, you know, this Russia stuff is a little shady. But it's not it's not about what you feel is shady. It's about what you can prove. And he was asked numerous amount of times, "Do you have evidence? Do you have evidence?" Well, well no. Okay, that's in the story. Get the evidence. That's just how this works. Just because Lawrence thinks that it's shady doesn't mean that it's shady. It's about evidence when you're trying to destroy somebody's career. Um, I want to bring in uh, John Fund. Uh, he's a national affairs columnist for the National Review. John, welcome to the program.
4: Pleasure, Lawrence. Thank you.
2: John, what is this with Flynn? Um, I said it before, this whole Russia stuff is a little weird, but based on my clip with a top Democrat uh, on the Intelligence com- uh, Committee, there's no evidence yet. Why Why are well, they destroying this man if they don't have evidence yet?
4: Well, General Flynn was a high-flying, high-wire act. Yeah. He wanted to reform and transform the intelligence agencies. There were a lot of people didn't like that idea. You know, the iron rice bowl in Washington is not something people want broken. So he had a lot of opposition when he was named national security advisor. They took a fatal mistake that he made, which was, you know, practicing quasi-diplomacy without an official title in late December at the time of the sanctions that Obama placed on Russia. And they used that to bring him down. General Flynn compounded that problem by lying Uh, to Vice President Pence saying that he had never discussed sanctions about the Russians with the Russian ambassador. Having said that, the way to get him out in 25 days was, I think, very disturbing for American citizens. Uh, American citizens are not supposed to be spied on by their government unless there are very clear, specific guidelines. In this case, apparently a whole range of people had transcripts of General Flynn's conversations with the Russians. They were leaked illegally to the media. So you have a situation in which no one looks good, and the only thing that's hurt is the public's ability to have a government that is functioning and a government that is actually addressing their real day-to-day concerns and improving the economy and improving our foreign standing abroad. Um, this This is a grudge match. Most of the American people have no dog in this fight, and it's a shame that that's what's consuming Washington right now.
2: You know what's interesting is that there there is no talk from all these people about American citizens uh, being spied on. Like, that's a real problem. And, you know, the libertarian in me, I find that shady. Now I'm not saying that there's no connection with Russia, but the fact that everybody's cool about these people spying on us is a huge problem for me. Why isn't that a concern of the conversation, a topic?
4: Well, remember, the beneficiary of the leaks, the illegal leaks, was the news media, the Washington mm-hmm. Post, New York Times, etc. And they like leaks because they got them front-page stories. And if you want them to investigate the leaks, uh, you're probably asking the wrong people because they're the beneficiaries of them.
2: And, and not just the leaks. The fact that it seems to me that the sources got a lot of this stuff wrong, because I'm looking at a, uh, sources in the FBI now now saying that Flynn actually didn't do anything illegal. He just lied, which is what 95% of the politicians in Washington do is lie. They lie every day.
4: Well, we don't know because the, the way the sneaky thing this was, the way the sneaky thing was done was. Um, The people who read the transcripts, officials who in previous years would never have had access to them. The nine people who leaked on this have read the transcripts. They didn't give the transcripts to the Washington Post or other papers. They simply reported their own interpretation of what was in the transcripts. So it's possible that General Flynn only lied. It's possible he went further, but we don't know. This is what the shadow state in Washington, the shadow intelligence operatives in Washington can get away with. They can destroy people's reputations and drive them out of office without having to prove their charges.
2: Do you feel like they should release the transcripts, not only to Congress, but to the public? Since they wanted to have this out in the public anyway, since they've destroyed them in the public, shouldn't they release the transcripts to the public?
4: Uh, Certainly to Congress, because Congress should investigate all of this Russia stuff from beginning to end. And, you know, I'm not sure what's in the transcripts, so I can't say the general public should automatically have a look at them. But as transparent as possible is the best approach, because what we've learned is Washington doesn't function well if everybody's trying to hide something.
2: Right, right. You, you know, another one of my concerns is it seems to be selective transparency in Washington. Um, you know, the Democrats who want so much transparency right now, which I'm all for transparency. If he did something wrong, then we should know about it. But why— didn't they want the same amount of transparency as it relates to Hillary Clinton and Benghazi? I mean, people actually lost their lives.
4: Well, we now know from emails that were released to Judicial Watch under the Freedom of Information Act, it took Judicial Watch four years to get them. We now know that the State Department was briefing congressional staffers right after the Benghazi attacks in 2012, saying, yes, of course we know this had nothing to do with the video uh, slamming Islam or Muhammad. Of course, it was a planned attack by terrorists against our uh, consulate and that led to the death of the four Americans, including the ambassador. Yeah, she emailed At the Chelsea, same time, her daughter. They were telling the congressional staffers this. Yeah. They were sending people onto the talk shows with this cockamamie story about a video, and they put the guy who made the video in prison, put him on ice. And not only that, Susan to, Rice. Yeah, and then Susan Rice became the
2: national security advisor. She kept her job.
4: Well, she was actually destined for other work, and she couldn't get that because she became so controversial. But the real issue here is that was done six weeks before the election. So all of the complaints that you know Trump was tiptoeing with, around with the Russians before the election, yes, we should learn about that and learn if there's anything there. But the Hillary people engaged – we now know – engaged in an active cover-up of what happened in Benghazi in order to get through the 2012 election and get Barack Obama reelected. Remember, he was reelected by only a couple percentage points. And if Mitt Romney had had uh, the Benghazi evidence in front of him and been able to use it at the debates, remember when they tried to shut him down about mm-hmm. Benghazi at the Candy Crowley CNN debate? Yeah, that I was believe epic. Romney probably would have won and Obama probably would have lost.
2: It, it definitely took the momentum away from uh, Romney. During that debate, uh, after having a, a good debate before that, um, but John, is this just typical Washington? You know, is this is this the new normal? Because I don't see a lot of people, even on the Republican side, standing up and saying, "Hey, this is a lot of hypocrisy." Why? Why? Why are they well, standing
4: look, up? Hypocrisy is Washington's middle name. Yeah. What is new here, and what should concern your audience, is. When you have very sensitive eavesdropping material on U.S. citizens,
2: Illegal. regardless
4: of whether they're in the government or outside the government, yeah. and they are used to settle political scores, and the people who leak them are not held accountable, you are dealing with the kind of government that often exists elsewhere in the world, where political disagreements are settled in the shadows with um, you know, a, a rhetorical knife in the back, and um, you don't ac- ever actually have an open and honest debate. Everything is done in the shadows. That's not, a, that's not the kind of democracy America has been. It's not the kind of democracy America j- should aspire to be. And if it happens once and nothing changes regarding the people who did this to Flynn, it will happen again. It will happen again. And eventually it will happen to people that uh, really, really don't deserve it.
2: John, there has been many people that I see, they they keep going on to talk shows, um, and they say the intelligence community isn't political. But I've talked to some of my buddies that are actually still active or retired in the intelligence community, and they said that the intelligence community can be political at
4: times, can be. Well, of course it has been. And there's discussions about whether that happened at the time of the Iraq war. There's discussions about whether or not that happened at the time of uh, Obama's decision not to go and not to to step away from the red line that he had drawn against the Russians in Syria. Uh, The bottom line here is. Yes, of course this occasionally happens, but do we want to institutionalize it? Do we want to completely politicize our intelligence agencies? Mm -hmm. Because if we do, we're going to have a different kind of government, and we're going to have um, everything fought, not out in the open, but uh, in the shadows where people don't know what's going on and aren't consulted.
2: John, as always, thank you so much for being on the program. John Fund, he's the National Affairs uh, columnist for the National Review. John, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Yeah, th- this is this is a mess. The fact that we have intelligence people leaking stuff to the public, which is not unusual, but this notion that somehow they're not ever political—that is such BS. That is such BS, and they need to stop repeating this stuff on 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 the talk shows every day. They've been political, and, and their sources already saying that. The last administration's loyalists are the ones that are leaking this information. If that's not political, I don't know what is. Sounds pretty political to me. 888-900-3393. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. Keep it here.
0: This is the Buck Sexton Show. The Blaze Radio Network. This
2: is the Buck Sexton Show. Lawrence Jones back here at the Freedom Hut, 888-900-3393, 888 3393 Welcome back to the program. Um, a little breaking news. Uh, Trump has decided, according to sources, that Alexander Acosta will be our next labor secretary. Now, the previous nominee dropped out after these revelations of his ex-wife being on Oprah and said apparently that, um, he had hit her and abused her. And, uh, there was letters going back and forth of her recanting. Anybody that has worked with domestic violence victims are fully aware that that's not uncommon that, uh, you know, they, they recant, um, but, yeah, they now he decided to drop out, and now this new guy has already been selected. I mean, he just dropped out yesterday, and now Alexander Acosta will now get a hearing. There's also breaking news about Gorsuch, who is the uh, Supreme Court nominee from Donald Trump. He's supposed to be getting a hearing uh, March 22nd. So that is already taking place. I wanted to pivot back to something, though, because I thought it was important to note this. Y'all remember uh, Representative Gowdy, who was over the Benghazi Select Committee. He had some comments to say about uh, the Flynn thing. I'm to play his clip
0: the more information the better uh, the more evidence the better but, but think back to yesterday bill one of my democrat colleagues said he wants public hearings public hearings on classified information whenever someone says they want public hearings about a classified matter you just know they're not serious so congress is capable of investigating in fact we did it in the committee i was on ninety nine out of our hundred interviews were done in private the democrats want this to be a public story they're much more interested in the politics of it than they are actually
2: Finding out what happened. Yeah, seems like it. Seems like it, as usual. You know what's happening. And then the root editor said
0: this.
1: Friedman said the election hacking is at the caliber of a Pearl Harbor or a 9-11. Do you agree with that?
0: I completely agree with that. Look, we've been hearing drips and pieces of this for a very, very long time. It's one thing, look, it's one thing for Rex Tillerson to have business connections. But if you have members of a campaign staff talking to security agents and KGB and FSB with a foreign enemy of the United States and then a president praising that country and threatening the existence of NATO, that is dangerous. That is a 9-11 danger to the sovereignty of the United States, and it falls right on the desk of we, President Trump. We just Trump. don't know yet.
2: Look, I said what's happening with Russia is a little shady, but to say that it's like 9 this is the emotional arguments that I started the program talking about. It's not about what's factual. It's about what you feel. Freedom doesn't care about your feelings. And this is a new trend That worked in the past, but it didn't work this past election. So you would think they would grow up and come up with something new. Anyway, we got more coming up.
1: The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: spreading freedom across the nation this is
1: the buck sexton show
2: welcome to the program triple eight nine hundred three three nine three uh in for buck sexton today the freedom hunt um a lot to talk about in this hour but first i want to go to one of the greats in this industry matt welch um he knows what's going on. The editor-at-large of Reason Magazine. Matt, welcome to the program, brother.
1: Thank you very much, and I, and I hope to God I know what's going on uh, because uh, I sure don't know what's going on these days.
2: <laughs> brother, I, I was reading your latest uh, article, and you were talking about John McCain and his approval of the nominees, but he didn't approve of the budget director. Why do you think he he had so much objections to this?
1: He uh, so the, the the Michael Mulvaney, uh, who's a, a, a congressman from South Carolina, was just approved this morning, uh, minutes ago, really, uh, by the Senate. I think the vote was uh, fifty one to forty seven, or, or close to it. Um, so he squeaked past, and John McCain, I think, was the only Republican no vote here. Uh, It's because McCain really doesn't like the House Freedom Caucus, which is the sort of libertarian bent group of people. Um, He really hates the sequestration cuts uh, from 2013, which is the first time we had year-on-year cuts in military spending in this country since the end of the Cold War, uh, and believes that that has cut uh, military readiness uh, to the bone. And he cannot believe, he just literally cannot personally fathom Someone who thinks that we should uh, pull our troops out of Afghanistan, which Mulvaney has uh, uh, voted for and called for uh, in the past. McCain just thinks that's crazy talk. And so even though this is a total fiscal conservative whose job is going to be budget director and a guy who's actually against some of Trump's instincts on uh, on, uh, trade, Uh, And other things that uh, McCain would be in agreement with Mulvaney, um, just the fact that he seems like a uh, a kind of uh, anti-interventionist or at least a skeptic in foreign affairs, McCain just cannot abide by.
2: Do you think it's the cutting military spending that is really getting to McCain?
1: Well, sure. Um, You know, he's John McCain is a uh, is. Arguably, the most kind of uh, interventionist, and also kind of a Teddy Roosevelt-based American exceptionalist uh, in national politics, and has been for a long time. Even though he, his reputation doesn't always uh, go that way, because the press fell in love with him, you know, twenty years ago, and Amen they have a hard, time. It's, it's a hard time seeing straight about the guy. Uh, but he—he's uh, uh, someone who in nineteen ninety-nine came up with this idea uh, or ninety-eight called rogue state rollback in which uh... he thought that america should support uh... anti uh... you know uh... anti totalitarian dissidents around the world, um, which I uh, agree with, like, in spirit and in morality right. uh, and, and in other ways. But his, his, he went further. He said, we need to support those people, and when their governments crack down on them, we need to back them up militarily.
2: Uh, why? Which, which, why? And this is one of the, the, <laughs> the reasons why, the one areas, I mean, there's a few, where I agree with Trump on. Why do we continue to do that?
1: It's... Uh, it's this belief, uh, and I'm describing something that I, I don't agree with. I'm just, just to put my cards on the table. Yeah. Uh, but it's the belief that American, that the world cannot function properly unless America is the dominant single power, that we are making sure that the South China Sea is patrolled by us and not China. Um, uh, Seriously, sure people will go on forever talking about how that one fact is the most important thing in the world. Um, it's the, it's a, again a Teddy Rooseveltian idea, harkening uh, back to the 1890s, that America and the world are better off when we take so, you know primary responsibility for the world's affairs. And and in that view, uh, uh, things like you know uh, open ended occupations of countries that don't really uh, help that no one can really explain what the point is anymore for instance in Afghanistan or uh, uh wars that don't turn out as they expected like mm-hmm. in Iraq those are just kind of like mistakes those are things that we you know if we just get the right guys in there if we just get Petraeus back you know we're going to fix this one once and for all they don't see any of these things as mistakes and generally speaking the press um, uh, backs them up. They, I mean, John McCain and Lindsey Graham will never not be invited on the Sunday shows to talk about why we should invade Syria, why we should invade Libya, why we should attack Iran, and they never really suffer a penalty, either reputationally or uh, politically. So there's just this tendency in American life, and it's important to note that that tendency was not remotely victorious in the 2016 election, if you think about it, right? right. But, but the he... Hawks who ran against Trump. The Hawks were Marco Rubio, yeah. uh, to some degree, is Chris Christie, Lindsey Graham, all Jeb Bush. All these people, when you add them up, they never combined at any moment. But someone for more than like twenty-five percent of the vote.
2: But someone like McCain, do you think? Because you know he was anti-Trump. It was very known that he was anti-Trump, and even when Trump targeted him uh, in the primary, uh, he was doing well, and, and 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 he did well in his reelection. So do you think that kind of motivated him to say, hey, I'm not going to lose support in my district, uh, in my state, if I s- go against the president?
1: Well, he, uh, John McCain is, is – uh, I wrote a book about him in, uh, in uh, 2007 uh, called Myth of the Maverick. kind of gets into this. He's terrified by and kind of repulsed by the Republican grassroots. I mean he always uh, referred to the Tea Party as wacko birds. So he thinks that Mulvaney is definitely part of the wacko birds. Uh, but at the same time, he's scared of them. And, um, you know, anytime he gets anything like a primary challenger, which he had this uh, year in Arizona uh, for his uh, Senate re-election, um, he freaks out. And will, even though it's very clear that he despises Donald Trump and everything that he stands for, he could not really bring himself to oppose him. Um, he officially endorsed him. I think he ended up withdrawing his endorsement after the Billy Bush uh, uh, mm-hmm. Access Hollywood tape. Mm-hmm. But But by by that time, he
2: had already got the, um, you know, the nomination.
1: Yes. um, uh, You know, he didn't. He showily did not go to the Republican convention. He clearly didn't want to talk about Trump, but he's also scared of Trump voters. Uh, So, um, you know, this is the first the Mulvaney thing was the first of all of uh, Trump's cabinet-level picks and con- confirmationable uh, picks that McCain has opposed. You know, he could have opposed Rex Tillerson, who's someone who comes from the private sector and he's more skeptical about foreign policy, but he did not. Uh, he could have opposed Jeff Sessions on any number of grounds that I certainly would have agreed with, uh, but he did not. But it was this. Don't get in the way of John McCain's uh, sense of constant foreign policy intervention or, uh, or else you're going to pay the price.
2: But now him and Grammy... You know, because that's, that's his buddy, Grammy guy, uh, Senator Lindsey Graham. They want to investigate Trump in Russia, though. So it seems uh, like yes. there's, still, there's still this animosity there.
1: For sure. Uh, I think there's two main wings of uh, kind of, I wouldn't say Trump opposition because they're not really doing that much, but sort of Trump skepticism or Trump wariness. And it's kind of interesting because uh, these two camps otherwise don't really play along together. In one camp... Is the McCain Lindsey Graham wing? Um, you could throw Marco Rubio in there, but he kind of goes where the wind blows. Um, but of uh, uh, people who are very hawkish, uh, who are very, uh, uh, you know, they're they're in, they're implanted in the Washington D.C. firmament they tend to be free traders which i agree with um, but they're way more interventionist so these guys the hawks the neocons right
2: right, right.
1: Um, weekly standard those guys bill crystal right. all of those guys that's a big camp of anti uh, and all of, of them are
2: on the homeland homeland security committee or either intelligence committee
1: or armed services or uh, armed yeah. services right but the other location of Trump skepticism are the libertarians. They're the wacko birds. It's the Rand Paul, <laughs> the Mike <laughs> Lee, the Justin Amash, Thomas Massey to various degrees. And, and they're all, they, they all have sort of differing approaches to the issue. So it's very interesting because most of the time, neocons and libertarians spend snarling at one another across the barricades about any number of things. And let's not forget that back when Rand Paul looked like a viable presidential candidate, which is before Trump was anywhere near the election, um, you know uh, it was John McCain uh, and Lindsey Graham and John Bolton, and all the hawks just sent sort of successive waves at him because they were worried about what they thought was Ameri- was an America first foreign policy, and whoops <laughs> they got the same thing from um, or you know a different flavor of an America first uh, foreign policy from uh, Donald Trump. So they are going to be the first ones who defect, and I, and particularly on Russia, wherever this overlaps with national security and kind of the permanent deep state, you're going to see John McCain on, on uh, a different side than Donald Trump.
2: So, so Matt, tell me, how did you feel? Since we're on foreign policy, how did you feel about the interaction between uh, President Trump and uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, Netanyahu, yesterday?
1: I thought it was it was a legitimate interest, legitimately interesting. I uh, I am no fan of Trump uh and uh I'm kind of uh neither here nor there on Netanyahu. <coughs> Excuse me. Um but there's the the thing that Trump brings which is uh potentially interesting and useful is he kinda cuts through the crap. Uh, <laughs> he can really quickly. So it's sort of In the middle of just kind of sitting there and talking, he turns to Netanyahu and says, you know, you realize you got to ease up on the settlements, right? Uh, (laughs) Which is a level of... But the media
2: criticized him for whatever, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but for the average day, American, they understood what he was saying.
1: Yeah, and uh, and that also completely wrong-footed Netanyahu. I mean, that's the same message, in a sense, that Barack Obama had been giving to them, especially at the tail end of his presidency, when he kind of just... Uh, went ham and and started uh, criticizing Israel willy-nilly, but that, it's the same message. But the delivery was completely off in an interesting kind of wrong footy type of way because Netanyahu is very chummy with Trump. Yeah, he
2: wasn't well, happy about it.
1: No, what could he do? I mean, he, <laughs> he and he had to sort of sit there and smile and kind of agree. Uh, and uh, and I, I especially like the the kicker of Trump, which is like, you know that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, so he, his uh, his presidency. You know, carries a lot in my mind, a lot of risks, including its foreign policy. But for him, just to kind of like, you know, look at things, it's kind of what he did with Taiwan. Which do you, you think know, that's
2: it, a flip flop? Though, do you think the whole thing with Israel is a flip flop?
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's just like what is a deeply held belief that uh, that Donald Trump has? I don't think he has one.
2: I don't think he has a belief. I mean, he has a system.
1: couple. He has a couple uh, on on trade. He is a right, right. The firm believer in the fiction that we can have a mercantilist system, uh, and just, you know, the tariffs uh, right. all the way down. And he
2: speaks Which, a lot about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he has for 30 years. He's been... It's one of the few issues that he's been consistent on over time. He's always been... Uh, you know super tough on crime type of guy he talks like people did in the 1980s about crime uh, you know and whereas a lot of the national conversation has since moved on and gotten into criminal justice reform that is not for the most part a conversation that Trump has been uh, involved with and foreign policy he 's just kind of uh, he will veer in this direction and veer that direction, uh, but i don 't think he 's had a very consistent i mean he even he gave an interview uh, with uh, uh, Build a newspaper in Germany and uh, also the Times of London. It was a joint interview in January, I think right before taking office. And he said in the same paragraph, (laughs) which is great, not great, it's just kind of crazy, uh, (laughs) that. like, hey, you know, we've been in Afghanistan 17 years. What the hell are we doing there? Go, yes, that's a very, very good point. And then in, within a sentence or two, he says, well, the problem is we're not letting our, our guys win. you so just <laughs> let them win. Then that's going to do it. It's like, no, you're, you're almost there. Um, so, yeah, I don't think that he has a, a real consistent through line uh, on foreign policy aside. with. What about you know,
2: the whole, you know, moving the embassy to Jerusalem? And now he's like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of his political appeal is uh, going after those issues that Republicans always say but never mean. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, crackdown on, on uh, illegal immigration. It's a, uh, Republicans will give lip service to that, but it doesn't really feel like that they actually do something. And there's this restive feeling in not just the Republican base, but in Americans in general – they're sick and tired of politicians saying these things. And so Trump has made great hay out of like, no, screw it. I'm actually going to do it. Now let's see who's talking kind of thing. Um, so I am going to renegotiate NAFTA from the first day, although, of course, he hasn't quite done that. But, you know, he's, he's definitely going to do something. But I think
2: NAFTA. it's still uh, on his radar, though, I think, because he's always talking about NAFTA. You know, yeah. you hear him say it all the time. So I, I think that's definitely on his radar.
1: Yeah, um, and so the Jerusalem thing, I mean, Republicans have been paying lip service to that uh, for decades. Uh, But it's one of those things that you say to get elected, and then you quickly forget. uh, And he's like, screw it, why do not I say that? And it also helped him during the election, because there's a lot of Jewish groups uh, or Israel-focused groups uh, that were pretty skeptical of him for the not insignificant reason that there's a lot of weirdos that hang around the Trump campaign, (laughs) uh, some of whom have some kind of uh, questionable ideas uh and uh, appeal among certain segments of the population so you know that was a way of saying i'm going to outfox you by um uh you know appointing uh, a pretty uh uh, uh very strongly pro israel ambassador and also uh and move uh, move the capital or move the embassy i think that uh you know he's going to find out the governing's hard <laughs> uh and uh, and that he's not going to Inevitably, he's going to ha- he's going to uh, come up against the limitations of his own ability just to just to do things, kind of like he did with China. You know, I mean, he he came in talking tough about uh, China in general and also about Taiwan, and then basically, I think China sort of humiliated him and uh, you know forced him to say, yes, I accept the one-state policy. I, I
2: think the job is actually changing him in some forms. You know, especially positioning. I think when he gets in there and he sees how it really is. It's kind of and, and, and again, he doesn't really have this political ideology, you know, he, he, he goes back and forth. So I definitely think there's some change in Trump. Matt Welch, thank you so much for joining the program, brother.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
2: Thank you. That was the great Matt Welch, uh, the editor at large of Reason Magazine. Um, I just got word that apparently Donald Trump has issued a new executive order. Uh, I'm going to try to read that during the break. Uh, More on the Buck Sexton Show with Lawrence Jones filling in. Keep it here.
3: Buck Sexton. The Blaze Radio Network.
0: You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show.
2: Welcome back to the program. Lawrence Jones and Buck Sexton. Um, actually, Donald Trump is in the middle of uh, a press conference. He said that uh, he will sign ex- an executive uh, order to protect our people, quote, uh, next week. Um, Trump is saying that he inherited a mess um, and it's been tough. Um by the way, he looked very exhausted in this press conference. Uh, I'll be following that uh, during the break. But I, I wanted you to hear this exchange uh, from uh, Fareed Zakaria about Trump and Netanyahu. Uh, let's play the clip. I think what
5: you're seeing there is, you know, basically the breakdown of the national security process, where the president was obviously not briefed. He either d- doesn't want to do the briefings. We know he doesn't get the daily intelligence briefing anymore. Um, maybe there's nobody in the National Security Council who can brief him. But it sounded so bizarre, so casual, so, uh, you know, frankly irresponsible.
2: That was his exchange. Um, One thing I want to say about the Trump thing before I talk about some of this stuff happening in the press conference is that although I disagree with Trump and it's kind of hard to understand him at times because it seems like he's just rambling around. And maybe he is. His supporters, the people that voted for him, you know, the people that made him president, despite us all saying there's no way he can win. They get him. And I think it's hard for people that live in this media bubble to understand the the Trump communication style. Does that make sense? Like, I don't get him at times. I'm like, you're rambling. Like, But the average day person that voted for him, I'm like, oh, I, I get what he said. He's breaking it down, cutting through all the BS. I don't know how much is going to work. While the break is happening, I'm going to get into some of this press conference. Uh, Trump is making a lot of statements. Uh, he, he, he says that, they may have apparently went after Flynn for no reason because there was nothing to incriminate him. He's upset about that. We're going to discuss all of this, and I want to get to your calls in the next segment. I want to know what you feel about this Flynn stuff and the liberals and their emotional arguments. More when we come back. Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton.
1: The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to the program, Lawrence Jones, in for Buck Sexton. Um, I want to take you to this Donald Trump press conference. Uh, this is a big one, so I want you guys to tune into this. Let's listen to it
3: Congress, but honestly, the public would appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. Again, I don't mind bad stories when it's true, but we have an administration where the Democrats are making it very difficult. I think we're setting a record or close to a record in the time of approval of a cabinet. I mean, the numbers are crazy. When I'm looking, some of them had approved immediately. I'm going forever. And I still have a lot of people that we're waiting for. And that's all they're doing is delaying. And you look at Schumer and the mess that he's got over there, and they have nothing going. The only thing they can do is delay. And, you know, I think they'd be better served by you know, approving and making sure that they're happy and everybody's good. And sometimes, I mean, I know President Obama lost three or four, and you lose them on the way, and that's okay. That's fine. But I think, it would, I think they would be much better served, John, if they just went through the process quickly. This is pure delay tactics. And they say it, and everybody understands it. Yeah, go ahead, Jim.
0: You definitively say that nobody. Well, I had nothing to do with
3: it. I I have nothing to do with Russia. I told you. I have no deals there. I have no anything. Now, when WikiLeaks, which I had nothing to do with, comes out and happens to give, they're not giving classified information. They're giving stuff, what was said in an office about uh, Hillary cheating on the debates, which, by the way, nobody mentions. Nobody mentions that Hillary received the questions to the debates. Can you imagine, seriously, can you imagine if I received the questions? It would be the electric chair, okay? He should be put in the electric You would even call for the reinstitution of the death penalty, okay? Maybe not you, John. Yes? We'll do you next Okay. Oh, I just, just want to clarify an yes, important yes. point, I think. Sure. Did you direct Mike Flynn to discuss sanctions with Russian ambassador? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. didn't. But Mike... Excuse me. No, I fired him because of what he said to Mike Pence. Very simple. Mike was doing his job. He was calling countries and his counterparts. So it certainly would have been okay with me if he did it. I would have directed him to do it if I thought he wasn't doing it. I didn't direct him, but I would have directed him because that's his job. And it came out that way. And in all fairness, I watched Dr... Charles Krauthammer, the other night, say he was doing his job. And I agreed with him. And since then, I've watched many other people say that. No, I didn't direct him, but I would have directed him if he didn't do it, okay? Jim? Mr. President, thank
5: you very much. And just for the record, you don't hate you, I don't hate you. Okay. Okay. So, so
3: pass that along. Ask, ask how he got his job, before.
5: If I may follow up on some of the questions that have taken place so far here, sir. Well, not so too many. Microphone do microphone. have You do have other people. Your ratings aren't as good as some of the other people that are waiting. Pretty good right now. Okay. But, Go ahead. Uh, if I may ask, sir, uh, you said earlier that uh, that WikiLeaks was uh, revealing information uh, about the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, during the election cycle. You welcomed that. At one point, uh, you, you said you loved WikiLeaks. At another campaign press conference, you, you called on the Russians to uh, find the missing 30,000 emails. I'm wondering, sir, if you well, were, she was actually
3: missing 33, and then that got extended with the whole Wait, pile. Of no, no, but I did say 30, but it was actually higher than that.
5: If I may ask you, sir, it, it sounds as though you do not have uh, much credibility here when it comes to leaking. If that is something that you encourage in the campaign, question. Well, Ready? If I, if I may ask you that, no, no, but are you, let me do one at a time. Do you me, mind? Yes, sir.
3: All right. So, in one case, you're talking about highly classified information. In the other case, you're talking about John Podesta saying bad things about the boss. I will say this. If John Podesta said that about me and he was working for me, I would have fired him so fast your head would have spun. He said terrible things about her. But it wasn't classified information. But in one case, you're talking about classified. Regardless, if you look at the RNC, we had a very strong, at my suggestion, and I give Reince great credit for this, At my suggestion, because I know something about this world, I said, I want a very strong defensive mechanism. I don't want to be hacked. And we did that. And you have seen that they tried to hack us, and they failed. The DNC did not do that. And if they did it, they could not have been hacked. But they were hacked, and terrible things came in. And you know, the only thing that I do think is unfair is some of the things were so, they were when I heard some of those things, I, s- I picked up the papers the next morning and I said, oh, this is going to be front page. It wasn't even in the papers. Again, if I had that happen to me, it would be the biggest story in the history of publishing or the head of newspapers. I would have been the headline in every newspaper. I mean, think of it. They gave her the questions who would debate, and, and she should have reported herself. Why didn't Hillary Clinton announce that, I'm sorry, But I have been given the questions to a debate or a town hall, and I feel that it's inappropriate, and I want to turn in CNN for not doing a good job. And if I may follow up
5: on that, just something that John and Carl was asking you about. You said that the leaks are real, but the news is fake. I guess I don't understand. Uh, It seems that there's a disconnect there. If the information coming from those leaks is real, then how can the stories be No, fake? the reporting and is fake. And if look, ask, look. I just want to ask... Tim, you, you know, know what, what it is? Here's the
3: thing. The public isn't... You know, they read newspapers, they see television, they watch. They don't know if it's true or false. Because they're not involved. I'm involved. I've been involved with this stuff all my life. But I'm involved. So I know when you're telling the truth or when you're not. I just see many, many untruthful things. And I'll tell you what else I see. I see tone. You know the word tone. The tone is such hatred. I'm really not a bad person, by the way. No, but the tone is such, I do get good ratings, you have to admit that. The tone is such hatred. I watched this morning a couple of the network, and I have to say, Fox and Friends in the morning, they're very honorable people. They're very, not because they're good, because they hit me also when I do something wrong. But they have the most honest morning show. That's all I can say. It's the most honest. But the tone, Jim, if you look, the hatred. The, I mean, sometimes, sometimes somebody gets, well, you look at your show that goes on at 10 o'clock in the evening. You just take a look at that show. That is a constant hit. The panel is almost always exclusive anti-Trump. The good news is he doesn't have good ratings. But the panel is almost exclusive anti-Trump. And the hatred and venom coming from his mouth. The hatred coming from other people on your network. Now, I will say this. uh, I watch it. I see it. I'm amazed by it. And I just think you'd be a lot better off. I honestly do. The public gets it, you know, look when I go to rallies They turn around they start screaming at CNN. They want to throw their placards at CNN, you know I, I think you would do much better by being Different, but you just take a look take a look at some of your shows in the morning in the evening If a guest comes out and says something positive about me, it's it's brutal. Now, they'll take this news conference. I'm actually having a very good time, okay? But they'll take this news conference. Don't forget, that's the way I won. Remember, I used to give you a news conference every time I made a speech, which was like every day. Okay? No, that's how I won. I won with news conference and probably speeches. I certainly didn't win by people listening to you people. That's for sure. But I'm having a good time. Tomorrow they will say, Donald Trump rants and raves at the press. I'm not ranting and raving. I'm just telling you. You know, you're dishonest people. But, but. I'm not ranting and raving. I love this. I'm having a good time doing it. But tomorrow, the headlines are going to be Donald Trump rants and rave. I'm not ranting and raving. Go ahead. Go ahead.
5: One, one more should I let him have a little story? bit more? What yeah, do you because think, because Peter?
3: This, Peter, I should I let him have a little bit this, more? This, sit down. The, sit down. Just, just, we'll, just the, we'll get Just it.
5: because of the attack of fake news and, and attacking our network, I, I just want to ask you, sir. I'm changing it from fake news, though. Doesn't that undermine... Very fake news. I know, but aren't you... Uh, real news, Mr. President. Real news.
3: And you're uh, not related then, to our new... Uh, I am
5: not related, sir. No. I do like the sound of Secretary I look, Acosta. I you know, say. I looked
3: at that name. I said, wait a minute. Is there any relation there? Alex There's, Acosta.
5: I'm sure you checked that okay. out, sir. No, I checked it. I said, they said, no, sir. I said,
3: do me a favor. Go back and check the family tree. Okay. But
5: I, aren't, you, aren't you concerned, sir, that you are undermining the people's faith in the First Amendment, freedom Press in this country, when you call stories you don't like
3: fake news. Why not just say it's a story I don't like? If I do you that. Not do that. None confidence And I do this. No, no, no. Here's is, the thing. Okay, I understand what you. And you're right about that. Except this. See, I know when I should get good and when I should get bad. And sometimes I'll say, "Wow, that's going to be a great story," and I'll get killed. I know what's good and bad. I'd be a pretty good reporter, not as good as you, but I know what's good. I know what's bad. And when they change it and make it really bad, something that should be positive. Sometimes something that should be very positive, they'll make okay. They'll even make it negative. So I understand it. So, because I'm there, I know what was said, I know who's saying it, I'm there. So it's very important to me, look, I wanna see an honest press. When I started off today by saying that it's so important to the public to get an honest press. The press, the public doesn't believe you people anymore. Now maybe I had something to do with that, I don't know. But they don't believe you. If you were straight and, and really told it like it is, as Howard Cosell used to say, right? Of course, he had some questions also. But if you were straight, I would be your biggest booster. I would be your biggest fan in the world, including bad stories about me. But if you go, as an example, you're CNN. I mean, it's story after story after story is bad. I won. I won. And the other thing, chaos. There's zero chaos. It, we are running, this is a fine tuned machine. And Reince happens to be doing a good job, but half of his job is putting out lies by the press. You know, I said to him yesterday, they, you know, this whole Russia scam that you guys are building so that you don't talk about the real subject, which is illegal leaks. But I watched him yesterday working so hard to try and get that story proper, and I'm saying, here's my chief of staff, a really good guy, did a phenomenal job at RNC. I mean, he won the election, right? won the presidency. We got some senators, we got some all over the country. You take a look. He's done a great job. And I said to myself, you know, and I said to somebody that was in there, I said, you take a look at Ryan's. He's working so hard just putting out fires that are fake fires. I mean, they're fake. They're not true. And isn't that a shame? Because he'd rather be working on health care. He'd rather be working on tax reform, Jim. I mean that. I would be your biggest fan in the world if you treated me right now. I sort of understand there's a certain bias, maybe by Jeff or somebody, you know, for whatever, whatever reason. But, and I understand that. But you've got to be at least a little bit fair. And that's why the public sees it. They see it. They see it's not fair. You take a look at some of your shows, and you see the bias and the hatred and the public is smart, they understand it. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, we
5: have no doubt that you believe this story is fake news, but for those who believe that there is something to it, is there anything that you have learned over these last few weeks that you might be able to reveal that might ease their concerns that this isn't fake news? And secondly... I, I think they don't
3: believe it. I, I don't think the public... Believe it. That's why the Rasmussen poll just has me through the roof. I, I don't think they believe it. Uh, well. I guess one of the reasons I'm here today is to tell you, the whole Russian thing, that's a ruse, that's a ruse. And by the way, it would be great if we could get along with Russia, just so you understand that. Now tomorrow you'll say, Donald Trump wants to get along with Russia, this is terrible, it's not terrible, it's good. We had Hillary Clinton try and do a reset.
2: We're gonna take a break real quick and then we'll go to this entertaining press conference with Donald Trump keep it here
1: (laughs) this is the Buck Sexton show
0: on the blaze radio network
2: Welcome back, uh, Lawrence Jones in for Buck Sexton. I wanted you guys to hear a little bit more of this hilarious press conference from our president, Donald
3: Trump. I really think that Hillary Clinton would be tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Does anybody in this room really believe that, okay? But I tell you one thing, she tried to make a deal. She had the reset. She gave all that valuable uranium away. She did other things. You know, they say, I'm close to Russia. Hillary Clinton gave away 20% of the uranium in the United States. She's close to Russia.
0: Can we conclu- I gave, you know what I gave
3: to Russia? You know what I gave?
0: Nothing. Can we conclude there'll be no response to these particular provocations?
3: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you anything about what response I do. I don't talk about military response. I don't say I'm going into Mosul in four months. We are going to attack Mosul in four months, then three months later. We are going to attack Mosul in one month. Next week, we are going to attack Mosul. In the meantime, Mosul is very, very difficult. you know why? Because I don't talk about military, and I don't talk about certain other things. You're going to be surprised to hear that. And, by the way, my whole campaign, I'd say that. So I don't have to tell you. I don't want to be one of these guys that say, yes, uh, here's what we're going to do. I don't have to do that. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. Wait a minute. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do in North Korea. And I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do when I have 30 with seconds. Iran. You know why? Because they shouldn't know. And eventually, you guys are going to get tired of asking that question. So when you ask me, what am I going to do with the ship, the Russian ship, as an example, I'm not going to tell you. But hopefully, I won't have to do anything. But I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Thanks. President, 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 President. Um, can I just ask you, thank you very much, Mr. President. Um, Travel, Where are you from? Uh, BBC. Okay. Here's another beauty. a <laughs> good line. Impartial, free, and fair. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> uh, Mr. President. Just like <laughs> CNN, right? Um, on the travel ban, uh, we could banter back and forth. On Welcome the back ban- to
2: the program. Lawrence Jones here. Uh, that's Donald Trump for you. Um, this is the new relationship between the media and Donald Trump. How do you feel about the president? Having this relationship with the media, I think it's transparent. Is it an attack on the press? I don't think it's nothing new. But I think it's comical watching them squirm. Chris
1: Salcedo is up next. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network.